All right. Hello, loves. Welcome back to the Living Out Love podcast. We are in for such a treat today, such an unusual, rare treat, because I'm going to be interviewing my very own mom on the podcast today. I will not be interviewing her as my mom for this episode. I'm going to be interviewing her as Stephanie Foy, who, you know, I'll, I'll let her do her own professional inter- introduction. But the reason why I wanted to have her on is because I'm very into the practice of building your awareness of yourself, your strengths, your weaknesses, how you operate in the world. I think that's really important for us if we intend to be love in the world. And I'm all about using any tool that can help you do that. And my mom happens to be an Enneagram certified coach and practitioner. And so I wanted to have her on to talk about the Enneagram with us. So mom, Stephanie Foy, welcome to the podcast. Thanks. Thanks for having me. So why don't you just share with everybody um, the more, you know, professional side of side of you? Who are you? What work do you do? Why did you get interested in Enneagram? Give us some of that basics. Okay. So, um, boy, I have an undergraduate degree in business. I have a master's degree in social work. My social work practice has always been at the meso level, like not do micro. I don't do one-to-one therapy our case management, but I also don't do like public policy advocacy work. I've always focused more at the level of organizations and people within organizations. And I've been doing that work for a long time. <laughs> we'll just say a long time since you were a little bitty kid. So, um, and when it, I've used a number of different tools along the way, I was introduced to the Enneagram really a long time, quite a few years back and thought it was intriguing, but didn't really pursue it. And then as I've worked more into doing executive coaching as part of the organization development practice, I really saw the Enneagram as a tool that really lines up perfectly in support of a coaching practice. So, and it aligns very much with my worldview and my perception about how people grow, how people heal, and sort of um, aligning with what I would say are my spiritual values. Because, um, and I'll just say a little bit about the Enneagram. The Enneagram, for all that we know, is an ancient spiritual tool. It, it evolved out of the spiritual tradition. It was, it was held in the spiritual traditions, in philosophy, and it was for a long time a very oral tradition, but it's always been a tool and a way of understanding self mostly and others. Um, but from that view of what are people's essential characteristics and what are their sort of their motivations and what brings them to show up in the world in the way that they show up. And so, um, and I've done a lot of things over the years, as you know. You know, you go down the list, Myers-Briggs, DISC, da, 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 all the things that are great and are helpful. But I just got to a place where it felt like that that was really surface level stuff. That's really the outward behavior. And how do we really reach to the inside? What's How do we get to that? So I, I liken the metaphor of thinking about an iceberg and what you see with an iceberg is you see only the parts above the water. And that to me is where a lot of the other tools really show up is what, what's showing. And so to me, the opportunity with the Enneagram is to really understand what's below the water. And oftentimes what's below the water is much bigger and much deeper than what's above the water. So to think about how do we get to understanding what are the motivations Sometimes with lots of folks who do the Enneagram for the first time, things that they, that were part of their subconscious that were part of, they like weren't even aware that that was how they were acting and that was how, what was motivating them and that was driving their choices and their behaviors. So uh, for lots of people and, and me included, when I got to the Enneagram, I was like, oh, this really has value for folks. Mm-hmm. And... Um, we I first worked with the Enneagram with an associate and uh, coach friend that I have, 
and um, really found it valuable and said, you know, I really would like to do this more. So I added it to my uh, collection of tools and, and skills and uh, certifications. Yeah, I love what you said about, well, hey, you said a lot of things I really like, but one of the things that you said was that you felt like the Enneagram gets to the below the surface and it can help people identify some of the motivations that they couldn't have identified themselves. And that was exactly my experience with the Enneagram. In fact, I was thinking just this morning, I was thinking about, you know, that we were going to interview. And I was thinking that the very first time I took the Myers-Briggs, I identified as an extrovert. And it's because I'm a two on the Enneagram and I just want to be loved. And my older brother is, was very much loved and he was an extrovert. And so from a young age, I thought, oh, I need to be like my older brother. I'm going to behave the way that he behaves and that will get me to be loved. And so it wasn't until I took the Enneagram that I was like, oh, I'm just running around like a chicken with my head cut off trying to make sure everybody likes me. <laughs> and it didn't also it didn't dawn on me that other people aren't motivated by that. Yeah, it's it was shocking to me. I talked to a friend about it and her husband and I are both twos. And we were talking about the pitfalls of being so wrapped up in what somebody else might possibly think about you. And she laughed and she said, that's so funny because I just think that's their problem. Like, they're just wrong if they don't like me. And I was like, what? <laughs> that's so freeing. So that's the other part that you mentioned about the Enneagram where I think it's like it, when you can learn more about the way other people operate, it helps free you up differently, either in your understanding of the world or in your understanding of yourself. It's just there's so much freedom there. Yes. And it, it in my opinion, it the Enneagram, understanding the Enneagram, understanding your type and the other eight types can free you up, free a person up to be more authentic. And we look through coaching and through support, through, you know, the sort of the debriefing of the Enneagram and, and coaching work is to sort of figure out how do we, how do we bring that person, whether they're a two or a seven, to be the highest expression of that two or that seven that they could be. Because when they move into, you know, the higher, the healthier side of their two-ness or their seven or three or whatever the number they are, whatever type they are, then it allows them, it allows you so much more freedom because you're very, you can be more authentic in yourself. And then you figure out, okay, how do I integrate portions of the other? How do I use other pieces of the Enneagram? And we can talk about that to to help to support me, to move me forward, to move me past my stuck places. Right, right. You know, the, before we get too deep into the specifics of the Enneagram, I want to go back to something you said earlier, which was that you felt like this was really in alignment with your worldview around growth and healing. And those are some of my favorite words. So <laughs> talk to me about the the quote, like worldview of the Enneagram. What's, what's the goal? So you could probably ask a hundred Enneagram practitioners right. that question and they're <laughs> going to give you a similar or a different answer. But to me, the goal of the Enneagram is to provide people a framework, a tool uh, through which to examine their selves, their behaviors, their underlying motivations, their views of the world vis-a-vis -vis themselves and then others. So like I do a lot of work with teams and I think it's a great tool for teams because it, it elevates the personal awareness and it elevates the awareness of others. And it does it in a very holistic sort of way. Did I answer your question? I think it, I think it does. It's giving the perspective I guess, I guess my question is, how is the Enneagram helpful for, yeah, like how do you use, how is it helpful? Okay, so. Like different than like the disc or the Myers, because to me, the Myers-Briggs and the disc are, they're helpful to right. like a, a level two. Right. And 
Enneagram, I'm like, I'm going to put that at like an eight in comparison, you know? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, um, so let me say there's Enneagram has, there's a body of work around the Enneagram and there's a variety of tools and assessments within the Enneagram community. I in particular am certified with the integrative Enneagram, the IEQ nine, and it gives us a, a whole slew of insight. I mean, like when a person does a professional report, it gives you a 20 page document. So yeah. it really is looking at, um, it's going to give people an indication about who is their true self, who is their real self. And in that, um, what are the values and ideals of that person? What are, um, what are their blind spots? And it's really interesting because we all think we know our blind spots. And then when they get surfaced in the Enneagram, you see them in a whole different way. Yes. Um, we talk about what's the worldview. Like, what is it that how, how people view the world? I mean, you've heard about people saying there are people who have the worldview that the world is out to get them. And then there are yeah. other people who have the worldview that the world is a safe and beautiful place. So, but within sort of those big categories, there's some really fine distinctions. And each of the nine nine types has a very specific worldview about how they see the world and how they operate in it. So uh, we're talking about authentic self. We're talking about idealization. We're talking about worldview. We're talking about blind spots. We're talking about uh, defense mechanisms. What are the mm. defense mechanisms? Because they're different. As yeah. you just said, as a two, I want people to like me. Well, that's a defense mechanism. That's like, a, you know, I've got to, I've got to be these things so that other people will like me. Um, we look at values, virtues, and vices. So those are all sort of things. And you think, well, vice is vice. No, each one has its own particular slant you know it's kind of the concept of every personality thing that you think about or characteristic indicator there's always a double-edged sword one side of the sword is the positive and one side is the negative and so what what side of the sword are we focusing on we want we want to surface all of that and bring that forward so that we can be as aware as we can be in all of our interactions Thank you. I think that's what I was trying to get to that I couldn't name when I was trying to figure out the difference between the Enneagram and some of the other ones is the double-edged sword where we're looking at both the positive and the negative because mm -hmm. every, you know, every shadow has a light, et cetera. And so I just think that's fantastic. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about each type? Sure. So uh, again, this goes back to ancient wisdom as best we can find. Um, so let me just give a little bit of history about yeah, the Enneagram and the tool that I, I find so valuable. So as I said, um, as best we can tell, it's in the thousands of years old. There's mm. really some ancient writings that indicate the Enneagram and not only the sort of the content of the Enneagram, but even the the wheel itself, the whole wow. diagram has yeah. ancient ancient. Uh, sort of roots. And then in the 1960s, um, a psychiatrist working in the field said, Hey, I, who had this interest and said, I think there's really something valuable here. Started to bring it into what we would think of as modern psychology. And then of course it got picked up and other people took it on and there's a number of different tools. If anybody goes out and searches on the internet, you can find all kinds of assessments from zero dollars, you know, up. Yeah. And what I find, because I've done some of those others, is they can be good and informative, but they're not going to give you the depth of information. And the one that, as I said, I'm certified in the IEQ-9, which is... Uh, an integrative Enneagram. And what I really appreciate about that being a social worker and trained in science is that it has all of the qualitative studies behind it. 
They're, they've done all the psychometric testing. They've done all the quantitative testing. They continue to test the instrument and it has 99.95% validity and reliability. So yeah. it really does measure and indicate in a way that's very strong. And yeah. so for me, the, it's, not, it's not quack science. It's real science with real measurements and um, real data. So um, that's, that's the other part that I really value and appreciate about the IEQ-9 yeah. is the science that's behind it. So, um, so and that... I can attest to the detail of that. Cause like, you know, you already know this with the audience won't know that my husband and I are both type twos, but we're different type twos. And we have some different like details within that, that when you pull it out, it's, it's very, very interesting. So yes, it's high. I would say it's highly accurate and it pulls out the nuances really well. Right. Right. So let me talk a little bit about the nine types and then I'll talk about what you're talking about, which is the distinctions, which is the subtypes. Okay. Because how we really view the Enneagram, we really get down to actually 27 types because every, each of the nine has three subtypes. So let's first talk about sort of the types. So um, there are nine and the first one, the number one type we call the strict perfectionist. So these folks, <laughs> um, you know, they like order, they like structure, they like control. Uh, I'll probably, you know, some of you will say, oh, this is me. You know, uh, <laughs> they're, they're principled, they're careful, they're conscientious. You know, they can be perfectionist, which can be good or not, depending right. upon, you know. Uh, but man, they are going to have self-control and they can be critical. And, um, their, their whole aim is to do the right thing and to avoid mistakes and, um, to work towards self-control. And I would say a high-sided one is going to be looking at themselves and working on how do I show up? How can I be, you know, showing up as, as best as my best self, a low-sided one who hasn't and my mind had done their work. Um, <laughs> it's going to be looking to try to impose their perfectionism on others. Mm. So, um, so that's the, that's the strict perfectionist. The number two, the <laughs> considerate helper, and uh, the helpers are they're giving, they're supportive, they're pleasing, they like to compliment <laughs> others. They're generous, they're caring, uh, they're typically friendly, interactive, warm-hearted. What's you know, not to love about a two? There's no downside. What's, what's not to love about a two? Well, so, um, but their motivation is that they need to be liked and appreciated. And when they don't have that sense, as you said, you were going around doing everything you thought you needed to do to be liked mm -hmm. and to be appreciated. And so sometimes twos get um, out of balance in terms of either bending over backwards or trying to stretch to be something that they're not, or they tend to be self-sacrificing and not attend to themselves because right. that's the other, that's the low also side yeah. of two. I, you, you could possibly call that codependence. Yes. Yeah. I, so I don't know anything about that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So, okay. So we've done one and two. two. The three is called the competitive achiever. And these folks, they're ambitious. They're busy. They're practical. Uh, they're typically list makers. They're focused. Um, they're competitive. But, you know, just like the perfectionists or just like the, the, the caretakers in two, taken to the extreme competition's not a good thing. You know, that mm. can be, it, it can be cutthroat. It can be ugly as I mean, opposed the, to. The threes that I personally know, they're more competitive with themselves. So that's, that depends upon the subtype and we can okay. we'll talk about that. Okay. So, um, yes, threes with a subtype of a self-preservation will be more competitive with themselves. Whereas three other type, subtype threes tend to be very competitive out in the world. You, oh, you, okay. Okay. Um, 
Again, threes are task oriented. They're goal oriented. Um, they live and die by their success. Mm. So, and whether it's success in making a meal or success in pulling off a million dollar contract, it's all, there's always measures of, am I, was it successful? What did right. it meet? Did it meet the goal? Did it meet the standard? And it's not necessarily a standard that anybody else sets. It's what they set for themselves. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So the four is a very interesting crowd. These folks are the intense creatives. And these folks, um, they're the ones who always want to be seen as um, artistic, individualistic, they never want to think that they look, act, sound, or like anybody else. Like they want to be individualized expressions. They're intense oftentimes. They can be deep because uh, they're a highly emotional um, number or characteristic. Not unlike a two, but in a different way than a two. Hmm. Does that make sense? Um, I think so. Uh let me think if I can tell you who I think of as um, a, a person that we both know uh, named Mary uh, was is a four. Well, I was trying to think of, I was trying to think of artists or like pop culture people that somebody might know. Yeah. But I, the person I thought of, you probably wouldn't know, but I was thinking of maybe like, a Kesha or a Lady Gaga, like they, they're both not about, or even maybe Madonna. Yeah. Well, I, I want, I was thinking about that. So it can be artists, but a lot of times you'll see those people as, um, also threes. They're also going to have achievers, strong okay. achiever orientation that they're, they're going for success no matter what it looks like. Okay. So, cause the threes that are the subtype, and so they like to be center stage. They like to be out front. So I'd be curious, and this is a whole other conversation, but while we're on the the topic of fours and, and they like want to be individualized, are there more fours in the United States than you think in maybe some other countries? Because the United States culturally is so, it's not about that. Okay. Uh, well, what? so fours, <laughs> uh, well, actually, the United States, if we really want to talk about the culture of the United States, we are what some people consider to be a three, seven, eight culture. So uh -huh. three success, goal oriented, take care of yourself, be successful. Seven visionary, enthusiastic, outgoing. That This is who gets, okay. who this gets is rewarded, how, who gets rewarded, what corporate culture you know, what, and sort of what's the general milieu in the United States. So okay. seven, and then we'll talk about eight. So when we get to right. seven and eight, when you think about those three numbers kind of clenched, pinned together, you can see how it shows up in the culture. So, okay. yeah, that does make sense. Yeah. Okay. So fives, fives are considered the quiet specialist. These are the folks that, um, they think a lot. They analyze a lot. They like to solve problems. They can be quite shy. They can seem detached. They can be reserved. They can be reflective. They are private. These are folks that you, in a group, have to be sure that you encourage them to participate because otherwise they're going to think and then they may come back later, you know, in an email or whatever, like in a team setting. But um, they're typically very private people. And they're going to, their goal is to really learn and to know as much as they can. Because they want to go deep within whatever it is that they want to learn or learn about or think about. They're going to go deep in that thing. So, so you can... And cerebral, you know, um, and then their motivation is to understand, you know, like we talked about twos, the motivation is to be liked. Um, the motivation for fours is they have to be unique and they have to be authentic. So yeah, threes then, have to succeed. Okay. 
So the six is called the loyal skeptic and their motivation is to be safe and to belong. So these folks are always, they're the ones who are looking around the corner. What's going to happen? They're the ones that can be anxious. They're the ones that are looking for the other shoe to drop. So um, they're cautious. They're skeptical. They're anxious. They don't Those sound like folks. a good time. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the folks that can be on high alert. Um, so they're they're valuable in society. And we, truthfully, there's a lot of people in uh, police work and mm. that fall in the six category. So okay. the value, though, think about this. They may not be fun to some of us that are on other number types, but the value of a six is in conjunction with others in a team setting, they can, they will and can anticipate the problems. Whereas mm. some other numbers will just forge ahead and they'll go off the cliff, you know, yeah. and it's the sixes that will keep people from going off the cliff. They'll be mm. the ones that will be like, okay, have you thought about this? Have you, what about that? And it will drive some people crazy, but it's very valuable. If you can come around to the value of the six, they can really make a contribution. Mm, interesting. So okay. is seven also a skeptic? Are we going to have three skeptics? Oh, <laughs> uh, no. Sevens, okay. <laughs> these are the enthusiastic visionaries. Oh, these, the people we love to follow. The people we love to follow and the people that are, these, this is the most playful number on the Enneagram wheel. Out of all the nines, the seven has, you know, they um, they want to experience everything, and they want to avoid pain. They are looking for pleasure. Wow. They are looking for fun. So they're optimistic. They're fun-loving. They're spontaneous. They can be restless. Mm. They can. Uh, they're often very entrepreneurial, and they can, be, they can also be very uninhibited. The flip side of that is that an unhealed seven and... I was introduced to one not too long ago and I was like his, his pattern had been in his life that every time something got hard, he'd just leave. Mm. He was in an organization. It got hard rather than dig in and try to make a success out of it. I'm out. I'm going mm. to the beach. You know, I'll, I'll get a job later or whatever. So that's very, that's very sort of seven energy. So that, that's the negative side of seven. The positive gotcha. side of seven is, man, they can be. So our joint friend, um, Jean, seven. Yeah. My elder brother, whom I thought I should be like, seven. <laughs> yes. So, uh, but so they can have a real positive outlook. On the other side, sevens can have a monkey mind. They can have a hard time focusing because they're, Doing this and doing this and doing this and doing that. Oh, doing new thing. shiny object. Yeah. Let me go to the next thing. Let me do this next thing. Let me, you know, they're, they're going to be constantly, but they're a lot of fun and they're going to organize. They are looking to bring other people into their sphere of enthusiasm and experience. Uh, okay. So it's, it's a little bit social also. Yes. Okay. They oh, can neat. be social. Even the self-preservation sevens can be social. Okay. So they're, that's, that's sort of who they show up as. Okay. So if you're looking, again, you know, when we look at team and organizations, it's fabulous to have a seven. You just have to be sure you're backing them up with some other folks that, you know. Yeah, like a one. Yeah, and uh, threes that fill in with structure and order and things that get things done. And right. not that sevens don't. So let's be sure all of the Enneagram numbers can pick up and take on things from the others. It's not like, oh, if you're a seven, you're never organized. No, that's not the case. But they have to be mindful of it so that they know they're working through things. So, mm -hmm. okay. Eight. Eights are the active controllers. These are the people that are powerful. They're direct. They're strong. They take charge. They're decisive. They're self-assured. They don't mind being confrontational. 
they can be frank. They can be magnetic and they can certainly be power hungry. Interesting. Okay. Their motivation is to be strong and in control. They don't like it when they're not in control. I, as a two, I'm like, I can't even fathom what it would be like to be that person. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like what? Interesting. Yeah. Um, okay. But I, but I do know an eight, so it's been helpful to get to see it in action. Yeah. They, eights don't like to be vulnerable. They mm. sure don't like to be exposed. They don't like to be seen as weak. And they'll do all kinds of things to cover that part up, even when it doesn't serve them. So. And you said the United States was three, seven, and eight. Is that what you said? Yeah. Ooh. Well, you That's think about goal-oriented threes, visionaries, yeah. and then um, I got this. I'm I'm tough, and I'm enlarged and in charge. Yeah, and we're direct, and we're you know we're the powerful country. Whereas think about Japan, yeah. not a three, seven, eight country, mm. not in this, you know, think about their yeah. culture. Yeah. Interesting. So, um, and then finally, the number nine is the adaptive peacemaker. And these folks, um, they're easygoing, they're unassuming, they can be patient, they can be accommodating and sort of like a two, but in a different way, accommodating to a fault because, Oftentimes, they'll be like accommodating, and it's not because they're seeking somebody else's approval, like a two is, but because they haven't, they don't know their own mind. <laughs> like, oh. they haven't, they don't, they're not focused enough on their own self to understand what is it that they need and want. So, um, they're non-aggressive. They can be very fair. And they strive to keep balance. They want harmony and peace. And in some cases, they want harmony and peace at all costs, even if it's not good for them. So, mm. um, so again, every, every one of the numbers has high sides and low sides. And we just look to strengthen the high sides and work with the low sides and understand it. So I'm curious. I feel like I should know the answer to this, but I don't remember. Let's say, so my number is a two. Is there anything important about number one or number three? Like I'm sandwiched okay. for all the numbers, the way the wheel is set up, not just two, but is that right. significant? So let me say, um, okay. There's different elements of, of working with the Enneagram and what you're talking about is a concept called wings. So what's on either side of the number. So okay. you want to talk about wings or you want to talk about subtypes? I want to talk about everything. Okay. All right. Well, I just, so, just, okay. So wings are a thing was my first question is like, it's yeah. cause like in, in astrology, it's a, it's a wheel and it's like each sign was the answer to the sign before. Right. And so I was curious how, how that worked with the Enneagram with, it's not a wheel, it's nine points right. in a circle. Yes, it is in a circle and maybe we should, we'll upload have a, an image. a diagram, have an image. So, um, let me say about wings. So there are some Enneagram tools out there that will give you, we'll say you're a two with a six wing. Well, that doesn't make any sense because the drawing, the Enneagram itself is a wheel. And you like, if you think about a bird, their wings are not as disjointed. Right. And you always have two of them. You know, right. have you ever seen a bird fly with one wing? Not so no. much. So... <laughs> In the integrative approach to the Enneagram, we follow the model that there's two wings, that every number has two wings. So as a two, your wing is a one and a three. And for most people, like your handedness, like you mm -hmm. have probably developed one wing more than the other mm. as a way to stretch. Like, okay, my two's not working. Let me lean to three or one. Right. So what we do through coaching and through working with the Enneagram is to look to see what are ways in which, because it's much easier for a two because one and three are close is to integrate elements of that one and three because they're closer to you than say going across the wheel to a six or seven. Right. And like when you were talking to me about eight, I was like, that's no man's land. I'm not familiar with that at all. 
Yes. <laughs> like, that's a total different thing. Yes. So, um, so wings are those numbers on to either side. And so a nine has an eight and a one wing, a four has a five and a three wing. So mm -hmm. every, every number has two wings. And we know that, like I said, some people are going to be more developed in some areas than the other. And in fact, I recently did a, uh, a coaching with a gentleman who um, believed he was a, I want to think he, he believed he was a five and what it really turned out was he wasn't a five. He was a four, oh. but he was leaning into the five because that was sort of what was being called on from him. And truthfully in his relationship, it was in his primary relationship. Five was like more comfortable. It was more comfortable to be a five than it was right. to be a four. So, right. So Interesting. Sometimes, sometimes we sabotage ourselves by, you know, there's, there's value in the wings, but if we go too much towards them, then, then we're out of sync. We're out of balance. Our goal here, as the name suggests, integrative Enneagram, which is understand self and integrate the highest and best of ourselves and the other things that we can use at our disposal to make our life work better. Mm. Okay. So the three subtypes I want to talk about subtypes a little bit. Yes, please do. So my, the way I think about subtypes is like you go to a really nice ice cream store and you pick out your favorite flavor of ice cream and then they have all those mix-ins, you know, like you can mix in, you can mix in gummies or you can mix in chocolate or you can mix in coconut or you, so right. the same ice cream, the same type two, you two, mm -hmm. you go and you might mix in Oreos. Oreos. <laughs> <laughs> and Jared, the other two, he might go get the same flavor of ice cream, but if he mixes in fresh strawberries, you see the experience of the two, even though the base thing, the ice cream is still the same, but right. how people experience it's going to be different. So to me, think about that to me is like, think about it like ice cream toppings. Yeah. You know? And I want to interject real quick before you describe the subtypes and remind our audience that this is specific to the integrative Enneagram. And that if you just go online and take an Enneagram quiz, you're not going to hit the subtypes. No. Um, so, okay. But it's so valuable. So please explain. <laughs> so um, there's three subtypes for each of the nine types. And the three subtypes are the same for all the nines, so all nine types. So that's how we get to that 27. One of the subtypes is called uh, self-preservation. So these folks, on a broad stroke, are looking to bring forth their expression as a way to preserve themselves. And it's not necessarily that they're doing it out of selfish reasons. It's not like, oh, let me just focus on me and the rest. The, the high-minded self says, when I take care of myself, one, it leaves other people free to be themselves because I'm not over there messing in their business. <laughs> and right. also, when I uh, attend to myself, then I'm fully responsible for me and that allows other people to be responsible for them. So um, that's the focus of the, of the self-preservation. Uh, the SX, which is one-to-one, -one, and their focus is just like it sounds one-to-one -one. they're going to be very relationship oriented their their currency their exchange their you know what how they perceive their value in the world is in the relationships that they create and specifically one-on-one -on -one relationships mm -hmm. so um so not surprising that a lot of people in um Co in coaching relationships are one-to-ones, the, the SX type. A lot of people in sort of advising and counseling, um, you can think about stockbrokers, you can think about other people that would see their exchange in that sort of one-to-one -one sort of role. So mm -hmm. that's the, and then the third type is the SO. And that folks, those are the socials. And their currency, the how that where they operate is in group. Uh -huh. They, they're in group, 
they're in their mindset is around we and um, they operate well in hierarchy they operate well in big structures so like we were talking about threes just we'll just say those competitive achievers you think about an achiever who has an so subtype well a 3so where do you think they're going to want to be center stage you know they're going to want to be out here in in, you know look at me see me yeah i could see that being like an athlete because they're competing with somebody other than themselves exactly exactly okay so um, so that's, so those are the three subtypes. So we overlay that then, like you just said a little while ago, you're a, you're a two and you're one type of two and your husband is a two and he's another type of two. And it's hilarious to find the nuances in the way that we see things. Yes. <laughs> it's, Isn't it's really it interesting. It is. <laughs> yeah. So how you, and it is it's not only the motivation, it's the currency, but then it's how, how that too gets expressed. Yeah. Mm. Um, so, okay. So we talked about wings. We've talked about subtypes. The other key element of the integrative Enneagram is called the lines, working the lines. And the lines are the places where we look to see what are the areas. So if you, Think about, we'll, we'll post a, a, an image somehow. Sure. Um, but within the Enneagram diagram, there's lines that, that make connections within the, the numbers. And so we look to see what are those triadic numbers and the, the lines that connect them. Because for, let's say for a nine, their, um, their lines are going to be connected to three and six. So, Mm. so they can look to see, and what the lines indicate to us are, what are the ways that we need to under stress? What is the thing we need to, where do we need to move to in order to get balance? What's, what's going to work for us to get us out of, you know, when we're stuck because people get stuck. So it's like, well, you know, if I'm stuck and I'm a two and I just keep being a two, it's not going <laughs> to, it's like, oh, I'll just be more two. Well, that's right. okay. But, you know, you might could say, okay, well, let's see if I'm a two, I could lean into my lines and that's going to give me uh, a stretched place and a release place. So we're looking for the ways that um, we can find release. So let me make sure I'm understanding this. So I'm yes. a two, I have two yes. wings. My wings are one and three, and those are places that I can lean into relatively easily when I need them. Right. And then the lines, there's one that's a stretch and one that's a release. Right. So a stretch my, in terms of like a stretch goal, like something so, I have to move so, towards. Well, this is okay. This is going to be funny. So <laughs> the stretch line for a two is Eight. Eight. Oh, that's so brutal. <laughs> you just said, I can't even imagine it. I don't I even can't. know. So that's a, you know, so eight is like, okay, you know, I need to uh, develop my personal power. I can express my anger. Oh, oh. that's allowed? Yes. Okay. I, I I can care less how other people think about me because eights don't give a doodah what other people think. So that is wild to me. Stretching into eight, you can okay. see how that would be a, a, growth. Move, a growth area for a two. Right. right. And then what's my release? <laughs> Tell me how I relaxed. So release for the two is to move towards the four. Which is that oh. deep, authentic, emotional. Individual. Yes. Go deep inside yourself. Follow your dreams. Increase your creativity. Well, that rings true. Those fours are so creative, you know. So so yeah. do we have time real quick to go tell each number their, their lines, their stretch sure. and their release? Right. So we've done two. Let's go back to one and then. Okay. All right, so let's go to the release lines first because okay. those are the easy ones. Okay, yeah. so the one, um, remember they're perfectionist. Yes. So what would you guess would be their release? 
something creative. How about seven? I was going to say, I was going to say, I was thinking about about my older brother. Playful, Um, integrate fun, uh, be playful, become more spontaneous, be, explore more possibilities because take some of the control off. So yeah, that sort of makes sense, right? So that, that would be a release for a one. Uh Um, yeah. So, um, so you want to do all the release lines or you want me to give the stretch line? Let's for go ahead one? and give the stretch line for one. Okay. So the stretch line for one is the four because they're oh. so busy being con- controlling and perfectionist. Creativity is messy. Yeah. And a strict perfectionist, they're going to want mess. They don't like mess. So they need to work on being creative. They, uh, can work on developing deep connections, having that emotional availability and looking to be more fluid in their work style, which is how floors show up. So I'm going to plant a seed and we're going to come back to it. But I was thinking about couples because I'm a two and my four was my release. And I was thinking if I was in a couple with a number one and I'm like, let's go on a date. Let's go something do fourzy. That's like a real challenge for my partner. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. Let's go. Yeah. yeah. Like, that doesn't sound fun. Yeah. Um, so we'll, we'll pin that and come back to it. But I think the idea of looking at relationships is interesting. Okay. So let's go to number three and talk release and stretch. Okay. So number three, their um, release line is to... Um, be more uh, is a six so oh anticipating and anticipating instead of going full bore head which is what a three can do um and in this case um a six because they're skeptical and because they're loyal they're very loyal so they're loyal to group whereas sometimes a three's not Oh, okay so a three needs to work on putting the team first honoring their own insights and and being more emotionally available and then also um being willing to be more authentic and exposed and honest because you know threes sometimes will it's not that they're being dishonest but they're just not fully exposing because they're so busy trying to be successful right right you know little honesty is gonna get in my way of getting to the goal right so then the stretch line for the three, you're going to think this is funny, is the nine. <laughs> oh, oh, man. peacemaker, you know. Yeah, that makes sense. They uh, And remember, people in the nine category, remember, they're slow. They yes. uh, want to gotta be, gather all the data, make sure everybody's happy and at peace. They want to be have harmony. They want to have. They're going to be accepting and accommodating. That's not yeah, a natural that's tendency not a three. for. No. That's not the natural tendency for the three. So learning to collaborate, learning to relax, learning to uh, have humility. Those are stretch areas for the three. Interesting. Okay, so let's go to four. Okay, four. The release line on the four is the one. They need to take care of business. They that makes need sense. To, they need to practice precision, and they need to be more assertive when they share their thinking. Okay. So, yep. I can see that. And then the stretch line for the four is the two. So they need to be more optimistic be easy and comfortable to deal with because sometimes fours are a little bit prickly because remember they have to be authentic and unique right so whereas twos are more accommodating uh and then focusing on others whereas those fours are so individualistic it's that's a stretch to go to where the two is yeah in how they regard others um okay fives uh the release line for the five now remember the five is the quiet specialist okay yep so the release line for the five is eight claim your power Mm. um take up more space assert yourself so there's somebody within our circle of influence that's very much a five yes you, you can 
And so moving into that eight, that's a, whoa, you know, but gives you, gives you, gives you energy to move into your release lines. Well, and everybody that's around that five that you and I are thinking of, it's like when they step into eight, we're all like, where you been? Glad you're here. We've all been waiting. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm ready for you to be the eight. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Come on and show up here. Okay. So, um, then the stretch line for the five, remember they're quiet specialists. They're going deep. They're methodical. They're analyzing. Well, they need to become more spontaneous, allow their energy to flow, have more fun. So they need to stretch into the seven. Seven. Yeah. All right. (laughs) All right. And then um, the sixes. Remember, those are our loyal skeptics. Yep. So their release is the nine. So. Oh, okay. So let's see. They need to spend time going with the flow. They need to relax. They need to give, give themselves permission to connect with nature and themselves in a way that's different because they're so, yeah. you know, things waiting for the other shoe to drop. Right. Okay. Risk assessors. <laughs> yes, they are. Yeah. Well, and it's really interesting. So there's a group that I'm working with that um, the person who's over compliance uh, <laughs> six. Six. Strong yeah. six. Strong <laughs> six. Okay. So perfect, but he's in a perfect role. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Good good role. Okay. So the stretch lines for the six is the three. So focusing on results, taking credit for their contributions, taking action because threes are highly action oriented. So sixes, because they're so anxious and they're so yeah. concerned about what could happen but sometimes they get frozen in inaction right trying... you need to dive in right okay okay sevens so sevens are the ones that i i idealize um not yeah. just because my older brother but because of some other people that we know so i'm always like seven there's nothing wrong with the seven they don't have a stretch <laughs> yeah yeah the sevens they need to spend time alone they need to learn how to manage their own energy because their energy you know, can just be like all over the place. Yeah. Okay. You know that. Yeah. Experience that. And they need to be willing to acquire a depth of knowledge. They need to be willing to spend the time and the focus to acquire deeper knowledge than sometimes they would, they just hit the surface and keep going. Okay. So what's their release? And the release, the release for the seven is the five. Okay. The quiet skeptic. Yes. And their stretch is the one. Oh, that makes sense. That makes sense. Completing tasks early, taking time to do things right. um, Paying attention to the details on a regular basis. Yeah, this is really interesting. So they're all like equilateral triangles. On they're also—they're not quite triangles, but they're close. But, okay. The three, right. three, three, six, nine is the true triangle, and everything else is is just right. Com- yeah, sort of triangles, but not exactly. Okay. Um, and then okay, so we did sevens. Okay, how about eights? Eights, you're gonna love this. So the release line for the eight is to go towards two. That is so weird. <laughs> I'm thinking of the eight that I know, and I'm like, really? All right. Yeah. So, uh, uh, allowing their warmth to show. Oh. Uh, um, acknowledging the best in others. Um, nurturing uh, generosity. Nurturing spirit. Mm. Mm-hmm. So, eight. That's that's a release. That's the release. That's interesting. I would have thought that that would be their stretch, right? Oh, and then their stretch line for the eight is the five, taking time out because you know they're large and in charge. They're bulls. They're they're going. They're you know chart full speed ahead. So to take time back and to be quiet, you know, and to. conserve their energy and honor their mind. Like that's a whole, 
think about the eight you know and you know like right. are they a regular meditator probably not <laughs> you know like right you know you just think about so so that's so moving into that quiet specialist is gonna you know if they could do that you think about what kind of growth that would give them because you know when they when they do sit and they do reflect and they do gain that in that insight and that wisdom from being quiet and from being reflective then when they go out into action when they go back into their eight they're taking so much with them but mm. most of the time the eights just get they're just out here doing 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 right right so okay nine so that's our last number mm-hmm. so the release line for the nine is to move towards three which is to move into action focus on the results develop self-confidence be more directive um set goals and wasn't nine wasn't three's stretch number nine so uh, do those numbers all do the do the triangles always flow like if nine's numbers are were nine's numbers six and three or no yes nine's okay. numbers are six and three three's numbers are six and nine six nine okay got it okay so that's always the case yes so whatever gotcha. you're, you're always triangulated gonna... with Gotcha. Right. Oh, interesting. Yes. Okay. So you're always triangulated two, four, and eight. Eight, two, right. and four. four or, or, oh, and yep. Okay. And then one, five, and seven. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. So sorry I interrupted at nine. That's all right. So nine, their release is the three, which is taking action, being directive, not being passive, not yeah. being accommodating. And then their stretch is six trusting their insights yeah. you know um being courageous analyzing risk yeah i was gonna you say know. to me nine feels more emotional and six feels more analytical mm-hmm. so mm. gosh that's so interesting to me um i need to look up the term sacred geometry do you know that yes. term Yes, and there's lots of conversation how the Enneagram is part of that sacred geometry that was, you know, in the ancient. Right. It yeah. seems like it must be for to the way that the number, and it makes sense. Yeah. Which is so, so funny that I was like, I don't understand an eight. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I know we're going long, but I assume you can go along with me because it's just such sure. interesting information. So we touched a little bit earlier on like relationships and I was, I was calling out before I even realized the numbers about two, four and eight, I was thinking about, um, one of my children who I would guess is a one. And you were saying that, is it one, four is hard for them? Their, uh, stretch line is a four. Yes. And so I was thinking how as a two, four is feels so good and nurturing to me that that's, that's where I want to go to relate to people as I want to go to the four. Yeah. Um, but that's going to be really painful for a one. So yeah, in general, I'm curious, do you, do you do a lot of, um, you know, either parent coaching or one-to-one relationship coaching? Do you prefer, working with organizations where you're looking at, okay, like what numbers are present in the room and what isn't like, how, how do you personally like to work with the Enneagram? Always. Anyway, (laughs) because to me, it's like any door that's the way in for Mm. people to gain awareness, wherever, whatever that looks like for them. So lots of work that I get to do is around organizations. So I'm doing the Enneagram with the team or with an individual and the lovely thing about the integrative, the IEQ-9, is that we have the capacity to do teams reports, and we have the capacity to do couples reports. Mm-hmm. So it really gives, it not only takes the content of the individual, but it really puts it in context of the relationship, whether it's the team or the couple. So that's really fun. So to me, it's like, whatever whatever is the doorway, whatever shows up, there's there's opportunity there to to, to learn and to grow. Yeah. So I would say compared to most humans on the planet, you yes. have a lot of awareness, not just about your own self, but also just you've 
you've been exposed to a lot of different lenses and a lot of different tools. Yes. When you when Enneagram came into your life, I your your children were all adults already. Yes. But I'm curious since learning the Enneagram and being able to identify your adult children's types, obviously me included, do you feel as though it has helped you parent differently? And I know we're adults, so parenting looks very different, but still, even as adult children, we want your support. And so has it? Yes. Yes. Because it, one, it's given me a lot more, uh, I'll just say patience. And, and- <laughs> that's true because what I feel like is that I have a different lens through which to view each of you because now I can I can see you differently I I feel like it's true I wouldn't have guessed when you said patience I wouldn't have guessed that which is partially why it's funny but it makes sense um I definitely feel as though some of the conversations that we've had since we've identified my counter type two are conversations that we've had before, but because we have the common lingo, we it's like we're able to have them more accurately and with more substance. It was sort of like before we would kind of dance around a topic, whereas now we can call it a topic. Yes. Like, yes. This is you being two and like, let's figure, figure it <laughs> out. This is shadow too. Let's figure it out. You know? Yes. Yes, exactly. So that, that to me is also the value of working with the Enneagram in teams or in couples, because it does give you a language that affords each of the people in the, the team or the couple, the opportunity to engage with each other. And it's not a make wrong. Right. Does that make sense? I hope that when we, we like in the conversation you were talking about, okay, this is just you being a two and this is the shadow side of two. It's not like you, Amy, are a bad, wrong person. This is just you've dipped over into that dark side of two. Let's shine some light on that. Right. So to me, it, it really can give people such a hopeful, positive way to deal with differences. Right. I think for me, it when you learn about other people's numbers, it's so humanizing. Like for me, the idea of the number eight was like not even human to me because that's so different. And so if an eight was to try to explain to me that they were in pain, I think there's a large part of me that wouldn't have even believed them. Right. Because their experience is so different from my own. My brain doesn't know how to make sense of it. So for me, like now having a greater understanding of eight, if that eight in my life came to me and said, this is really painful, I could believe them differently. Whereas before I couldn't have even believed it because what they're describing as painful isn't painful to me. Exactly. You know, so it's like, it's so helpful to have those things. And I think it's also helpful, you know, I would guess as a three, it's probably hard for you to slow down and put up with all the other numbers in your life. For me as a two, I've been realizing how often I've actually sabotaged relationships because my self-pressed two keeps me on. But do you like me? Isn't this about me? But do you like me? Whereas I'll look back and go, oh, they were just genuinely reaching out because they wanted support. And if I hadn't made it about whether or not they liked me, I could have just genuinely supported them and like done the high road too. Right. Um, But until I had identified that aspect in myself, I never would have caught it. Yeah. So that's, that's the absolute, to me, the value of, of working with the Enneagram is really just to, to develop greater and greater self-awareness. And to me, um, working with the Enneagram, it's not a like, okay, I did the assessment debrief. Done. Done. No, it's like, and okay. So here's a question. So people do ask, do my numbers change? Hmm. So typically what is your core number is not going to change your, and there's lots of conversation about, is it nature? Is it nurture? Were you born that way? What we don't really know. But so what we do think and what we have shown over time is that people's core number doesn't change. So you're always going to be a two. How aware you are as a two should change. What's your level of awareness? What's your level of integration 
that should change. And so hopefully you're more mature to, you're more enlightened to as you go along. And the truth is things change. Our life changes. You know, we, right. we have life experiences that cause us to fl- to revert back or to have a, have a new situation around which we have to um, reassemble and re reexamine. Okay. What am I going to do here? How am I going to work through this? Um, Being a two as a business owner is very different than being a two as an assistant store manager. Yes. Being a two as a parent is a very, very different experience than being a two as a wife. Like it's just, Whoa, there's, layers and aspects and yeah (laughs) yeah so but you find to me it's like you continue to see the value of self-understanding and self-awareness through the lens of the enneagram to apply to to wife to mother Mm -hmm. to daughter to business owner to you know all of those things Oh man. Well, I'm so excited. I actually, before we started our call, I was recording the podcast episode that's going to air after this one. And it was, the topic is like, what is the assignment? And so like the assignment is always to show up as love in the world. Like that's the assignment, but then what does that mean? And I think you can't know the answer to that unless you know yourself well enough. Right. Well, and let's, let's take, let's think about this. Think about how each of those numbers, how love would be expressed. Exactly. Because, you know, an eight is not going to love like a two. Right. It's going to be very and different. It's going to be very different. And they're going to think they're loving. And and they might be. They are. It's Yeah. And, yeah. But somebody else, and that's, you know, that's really the value of understanding because, let's say that you're you're working with somebody or you're in a relationship with somebody who's a very different type from you and it's like they're thinking that they're being loving and attentive right. and you're going what what you know what is this no <laughs> yes you're not you're not giving me I like what it. i need right yeah you're not you're not giving me what i need i need you to do this way i need you to be that way so i think it just gives people more um it can give people mm-hmm. more space to be gracious to others and to allow space for other people to show up fully. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it's a great tool for increasing your awareness of self Absolutely. and of other so yes. that you can know what the assignment is, you know, yep. Yep. whether that's love or growth or healing is what's the shadow. What's the, the, the other edge of the sword, so to speak. Yeah. Where's my so, high side and where's my low side? Yes. Well, Stephanie Foy, before we sign off, um, if anybody wants to follow up with you about Enneagram or has questions, where can they find you? They can find me at foyandassociates.co. And there's a link on the website to the Enneagram and information there about how to find me and how to, how to pursue Enneagram for yourself or your loved ones or your team or your organization. Perfect. Thank you. And we'll have, we'll have images uh, or links to images in the show notes as, as we discussed. So thank you for staying on with me and going a little over. This was such a lovely, fun, just conversation. I think compared to other Enneagram conversations I've heard on podcasts, I've never heard this much discussion with the wings and the stretch and release. So I think everybody's going to get a lot out of it. And I so appreciate your time. Sure. It was fun. All right. Thanks everyone. Bye. Bye.